your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, as I mentioned, it's just a couple of weeks to Christmas now. You know, people talk about it nonstop and then suddenly it's upon us. And we don't even realise where all the time went. Um, and, uh, of course, you're thinking food and you're thinking drink and you're thinking how do they all combine? Well, thankfully, we have two good friends of the Limerick Today show and experts in their fields, uh, James Walsh from Fine Wines in Limerick and Limerick food consultant and chef Tom Flaffin with us as well. And this is part one. We'll get him back again uh, next Monday, even closer to Christmas with more advice. But you're welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, gentlemen. How's the year been? How's the year been, Tom? It's been good. Yeah, mostly good. Yeah, busy. Kept going. We've started a new business in, early in the year and it's doing really, really well. Um, back teaching young kids how to cook, which is a little passion I have. And yeah, we can't complain. Yeah, and, and this is high-end takeaway. I remember you talking to us about it earlier yes. in the year. Isn't that right? Well, it's, it's, I wouldn't call it high-end. It's just good quality um, ingredients that we use, put it together. There's no additives, there's no preservatives. It's all natural products. It's all as much as we can. We've sourced it locally. It's developed and cooked and packed in Limerick. And at the moment, it's only sold in Limerick. So if you're from around, we have a good few stores that carry the product now. So it's great. We're doing really well. Right, you better give the name. Yeah, well, we have a good few. I don't want to leave any out. We have a, um, the Centre and Adair have just started taking it from last week. We have Sunnis Newcastle West. We have Garrett's, of course, Garrett's Butchers and Father Russell Road and Neighbour Food are carrying it um, all the time, which is great. And the Urban Co-op in um, Bally Salmon. They're all doing really well. It's great. It's great. Okay. And the product name? Cook and Cleaver. Yes. Sorry. Very cook important. And yes. <laughs> and people are looking yes. for it. Cook and Cleaver, yeah. So exactly. I, I'm the cook and Gareth, my business partner, Gareth Landers from Gareth's Butchers, is the, the Cleaver side of it. So we use all of his meats. It's all Irish. It's all well-aged and it's, it's fantastic. We're, mm. we're delighted with it. Well, I even managed it myself Good, in recent you. weeks. Uh, very, very nice. Very Good. tasty stuff and not difficult. No, it's not. Everything is designed to to cook or reheat in 20 minutes, in yeah. either in an air fryer or, or an oven. And we have a few soups out for Christmas now, and we have some um, chicken and mushroom volavan coming out for the Christmas season as well, which is like everybody's asking for the chicken and mushroom volavan. Yes, very and important product. Absolutely. And um, you can freeze it, can't you? Yes, well? they're ideal for fro- freezers. Um, most, most of the time, people do buy it for the freezer. It's just something to have handy midweek. Have one or two coconut cleaver, lasagna and curry ready up your sleeve. They're great for students. They're great for elderly people living alone at home. It, they're just like, it's something that I've kind of lived on myself all my life. When I, I don't do small batch cooking a small at home, I'd always cook a big pot of curry or a big pot of lasagna and you end up freezing it in a tray. And that's where it developed from, you know, just yes. an idea like that. And it's just, it defrosts really well. And, and just one final question. You mentioned air fryer, but microwaving? Yes, they work in the microwave because they all come in the t- it, it looks like it's a tin foil container but they're actually microwave friendly and they're they're great you, they're reusable they're very very handy Okay well and I remember chatting to you about it a few months ago and I'm delighted to hear it's going well for your cook and cleaver and we get on to some specific advice in a moment but to, what about your year so far James Walsh at Fine Wines? Been very busy um, we redid our vintage room and I've had to fill that with new products so we now have over 250 whiskies. Uh, we've brought in some high-end tequilas, some mezcals. We've expanded the champagne range. Everyone's looking for good bubbles this year. Uh, it's been a really, really fun year. Plus, we're doing a lot more training with the staff. Uh, the boss has got me involved with that, teaching them about the, the basics of wine, the basics of spirits. Uh, so, yeah, getting the staff up to speed. That's our big... 
problem at the moment. Where exactly is the vintage room? The vintage room is in Rocha Street. Um, it's an exclusive to Rocha Street, and it's just a fabulous looking place. A lot of people, up until last year, it was all blocked off. Now we've opened it up. We've got a fabulous window, and people walk past now going, is that a second half license? Yes. Uh, and you know they come in, they go, "What is this?" And we show them, and it, it, people are in awe. Yeah, and it's definitely helped up my business. We've always had that quality product there, but this has opened it up to everyone to come in. Now, when people think wine, they obviously think of the traditional countries. Is there any country, any wine growing area, putting its hand up this year, for example? Argentina is still uh, Chile and Australia are the biggest ones, but people are moving back to France. Um, there are some, fa- I mean, there's wines grown throughout the world. I've just come back from Canada this year. They've got spectacular wines. You don't find them over here. We're a small country. So we, and especially in Limerick, we're a small population. So I don't bring it, we don't get in wines from Eastern Europe, which is a pity because they've got stunning wines, Hungary, uh, Bulgaria. They've all made really, really good wines. And, and is wines. that simply because the business case just isn't there for it? In Limerick, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's some, I mean, if you go go out and you're going to try some Greek white wines. They're stunning. They really, really, really work. Everyone makes good wines. Uh, I think Ireland and, uh, you know, we haven't got that weather just yet. Um, But the flip side, I presume, is that because we don't have a native wine industry, we are prepared to bring in and sample from right around the world. I mean, we're not pushing just French because obviously the, the French will do that. Up until the late... 70s, early 80s, all we drank was French, Italian and Spanish. And what happened was we brought us, started bringing in quarter bottles. <clears throat> and people then started trying different wines. Mm. And then the 80s, Australia sent, started sending us their big, big flavour bombs, the Shirazes. But it was just Shiraz on the bottle or Chardonnay or Cabernet Sauvignon. Because up until then, all you had was Chateau this or Chateau that uh, or Montepulciano. And then people started to try them. So Ireland started experimenting with wines and they realize they really like wines from around the world. Mm. So you go to Spain, you go to Italy, you even go to America, you're going to find this very small selection. But Ireland has got a great selection of wines. We take wines from everywhere and we drink all sorts of wines. Right. So we, our palates are, are not going one direction or the other necessarily. No, absolutely right. not. We, we're beginning to experiment. Mm, yeah, very good. Um, so, Tom, two weeks out from Christmas and people considering the dinner and all of that, I mean, what should they be doing now at this point if they haven't done it already? Well, I suppose if you're the host, you need to make sure that you have enough space in your oven. You need to make sure you have enough cutlery, crockery, that kind of thing. You know, just the basics that people sometimes overlook. They have, they'll invite the, in, the in-laws or the outlaws and, and suddenly they don't have enough plates for the start of the main course and the dessert. So just plan these little things and borrow from people. You don't have to go out and buy new ones. Um, borrow some dishes from somebody else, your neighbour or your friend or whoever. Um, make sure that your oven space is, is big enough and make sure that your fridge space, I suppose, more importantly, is big enough to hold whatever you might be cooking. And then don't go too crazy. You know, don't don't bite off more than you can chew. Make sure that you're able and you're confident enough to, to pull it off. You know, maybe it might mean that you have a cold starter. It's not, you know, you don't have enough space to heat everything up. So your starter might be a smoked salmon salad or something simple like that, you know. But um, make sure that you what you are planning on doing, that you're, you're confident. And if you're not, practice. We have two or three weeks to go. You know, if, if you're planning on doing a goat cheese salad that's baked in a tart, do it now. Do it for lunch one of the days or do it for next Sunday lunch and just try it. Well, I mean, I know in our house we, we are going from last year having a very big group to actually a very small group this particular 
Christmas Day. And I presume that uh, changes your approach to some degree. Absolutely, yes. Like, nobody wants to be flat out busy on Christmas Day. You know, you want to enjoy it. You want to sit down and relax and enjoy the lovely wines from around the world. You don't want to be stressing over, are the Brussels sprouts al dente or, uh, you know, (laughs) is your, you know, goose liver on point, you know, don't don't stress on Christmas Day. Have something that you're conf- confident in cooking, and that's my biggest advice to anybody. And make sure that they they have it if they're if they're looking for special berries from a, a high mountain in, in in Bangladesh. Make sure that they have them ordered in time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're chatting to Tom Flavin and uh, James Walsh is here from Fine Wines. So there are people who like to start Christmas morning even with something. Some tip guilty, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, what would you recommend? I mean, because you don't want to be asleep by midday. No, uh, something light uh, for me. I drink some bubbles and and it's just a glass or two, but it doesn't have to be the full um, wine. You can make yourself uh, a box fizz, which is mm. orange juice, or the classic, which is coming back now, uh, the black velvet. That's Guinness what? and champagne. Really, in the morning. In the morning. Really? It's not that uh, the Shelburne Hotel used to serve this with breakfast. It was a huge thing during the seventies. There, what? Uh, they were famous for it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, that's something licensed, or it doesn't have to be alcoholic. I mean, non-alcoholic, mm. just something to enliven your taste buds. You're about to start cooking, or your friends or family are sitting around. You want something that's you can talk about, um, but it will get the flavors going, mm. or the, the taste buds going. It's important. One thing I want people to do now is go through their cupboards and clear out the dross. So that half bottle of sherry that you had there for the trifle last year, that's gone off. Don't right. use it again. You're going to ruin the sherry. The Baileys, which has been sitting in the cupboards, which is you know three quarters gone, that's also gone off. Anything that's less than 20% alcohol and has been sitting in your cupboard open for the last six months to a year, throw it out now. You don't want to start using that either to drink or to cook with. Hmm. There's nothing worse. If you cook and you throw the sherry into the trifle, it's going to be not that nice. Somebody was talking to me about reds and whites and how you can judge a red versus a white in relation to how long it'll last. Well, what's the rule of thumb? If it's got a screw cap and it's red, it will be okay for about four to five years. Whites will be about two to three years, depending on the quality. Now, if this is an expensive wine and you treat it properly and, and corked, then it will survive. But anything you've picked up 10, 12, 14 euros as five years old through in the bin. Right. That they, they're they not going to be good. Okay. And if there's a problem just phone into the shop we'll help you. We'll go through it with you. And when you say take care of wine properly at home what do you mean? Lay it down. Keep it on its side. Uh, it's very important especially if they've got corks because if you leave a bottle standing up too long the cork will dry out and oxygen will get in and the wine will turn off. Ah. Okay. And that applies to red and white? Red and white. Absolutely. Uh, okay. the, re- the good whites which have been oat will last 10, 12, 14, 20 years. Um, I've tasted w- one from Burgundy which is 30 years old. It was absolutely stunning. But, you know, they're very, very rare. But your average wine which you pick up in my shop or the supermarkets, they're not made to be div- you know, drank in five years' time. They're made to be drank straight away. Okay. Well, that's useful information. Um, and Tom, you know, what sort of starter then should people be considering and some people like to have the starter actually separate to the meal don't they and others then like it as literally the starter well i suppose it depends on how much they're going to eat and how long they have how long do they want to sit at the table for and is their entertainment plan for in between are they going to make a few jigsaws or some monopoly in between starter and main course but certainly in our house we'll have starter early in the day and it'll be like a lunch 
and then you take a break and you do a little bit of washing up and clean up and sit down and have another little tipple and then maybe two hours later we'd go for the main course because it's just an awful lot to, especially on Christmas Day you have the turkey and ham and you have the, the Brussels sprouts and the five types of potatoes and bread sauce and stuffing and it's like it's, I, for, for me it's a little bit too much to sit down and have absolutely everything one so, after so the what other. time do you have your main meal? Well, in the past, probably around five or six o'clock. Right. So you have starters. Well, like James is saying, we'd have a little, maybe a mismosa in the morning or, you know, something like that with orange juice and a little bit of bubbles and then a few canopies maybe or a little bit of cheese or whatever and then starter. But something light, you know, something light that's doable. Um, and then clear, clear that away and then get the main course going. Talk to me about a very simple starter and then a slightly more elaborate one. Well, a simple starter would be like anything, like if you just walk into the milk market on a Saturday morning and just have a smell of the aromas of the food that we have there and, and everything is so accessible now. There's gorgeous cheeses available. There's gorgeous fish, smoked fish, um, pâtés. Um, there's so many different types, even like a very, very simple one. And people are very used to cooking black pudding and just get a little jar of onion marmalade, sit it on top of it with a little bit of salad. It's perfect. Something mm, that is perfect. That is nice. Like you can elaborate then and you can wrap it in phyllo pastry or kataffi pastry. Or you can add different textures to it and different flavors. It depends on, you know, just experiment with things like that. Don't be experimenting on Christmas Day now, but try and mm. do something beforehand and have it planned. But just a simple, really nice black pudding is gorgeous. And then, and then you know, smoked salmon and brown bread works, doesn't it? Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. And it's so, it's so nice, so tasty. It's just beautiful. And there's really, really good small smoked salmon producers around the you near know, the west of Ireland we're, we're, oh, we're the lucky. best smoked yeah, salmon yeah, in Ireland yeah. so drink wise what would go with those starters we've just referred to there I would stick with the white wines for that type of thing so an oak chardonnay like a Chablis or a nice uh, Sauvignon Blanc you don't want the Sauvignon Blanc to be that big heavy big nose mm. um, so I would stick with French like Sancerre or Poulou Fume uh, they work really well or even we've got one Rapatel 14 years and it's a fabulous Loire uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Nice nose, lovely flavours coming through. It works so well with the star- with that type of starter. Yeah. Fish. And then with black pudding, you know, a light white, a uh, light red even. Light red? Yeah, absolutely. Such as? Such as Beaujolais. Right, uh, Beaujolais yeah. Nouveau is out. Um, it's gone, it's come back to what it was. It used to, you know, the last 10 years, it's kind of got lots of chewing gum and uh, bubble gum and banana in it. Now the winemakers are letting it come out. Beaujolais Nouveau is the youngest wine of the year. Uh, they make it at the beginning of the harvest and by the end of the harvest it should be ready to be drank uh, so it's a very young fruity wine and that would go really really well with the black pudding Talk to me about a good year, you know this thing about years of wines, the yeah. same wine and one year it's hyper expensive and the next year it isn't. Yeah, that's all down to harvest and the, and the terroir and the weather and whether they, you know, if a storm hit the vineyards you know, at the beginning in May when they're budding, so there's no grapes whatsoever. Uh, the temperature uh, throughout the year. The vintage is very important. It's a full year's growth of the wines on the grape. Um, and sometimes they're really, really good and sometimes they're spectacular. At the moment, 2016 is one of the nicest ones I have. You go back to 2009. And then it varies from area to area. And it can go down to vineyard to vineyard. You can have one vineyard on one side of the road which their crop got destroyed because of hail and this vineyard didn't. And so they have lots of wine. These people don't have lots of wine. Right. Then you're on to image and marketing. So you have the big houses, you know, such as Lynch Badge and that, and they declare they've, you know, a good vintage. They will never declare a bad vintage. They'll go good, 
fabulous, extraordinary. <laughs> and then you, <laughs> and that's when the prices go up. So you can pick up the same wine for five different years, and you have different prices on each one. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And presumably, you're at, at that kind of medium to higher end. There are wines in years that aren't described as fabulous, but it's still excellent wine. Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to. It could be the fact that the vineyard next door got their nets out in time. Yeah. Uh, or they got the fog machines going, so they stopped. it stopped the frost actually hitting, or they got the burners going. And yeah, that's it can happen that way. I was chatting to a wine expert during the year, and she was telling me that... You know, with climate change and everything else that's going on, she's aware of some of you know the big companies in the likes of California who are looking towards other markets for the production of wine, including Kent in England, because they are noting the change in climate. Absolutely. Um, if you look at the soil structure around Kent and all the way through Dover, that is chalk, which is actually the same chalk which belongs in Burgundy and the Champagne region. So that's why Kent is producing some spectacular sparkling wines and white wines because of the same soil structure and the weather is very similar. Yes. And they've been there, it's been there for a long, long time and Kent is producing great wines for the... Great you know, sparkling whites. Absolutely stunning. And Ireland is beginning to catch up. There's a few people really? now who are now looking at the, fu- the future Wicklow wines and we have a gentleman <laughs> beside us who makes his own wine. Um, but there is changes happening um, and you can see the devastation you know, with in California through the fires which have been hit in the vineyards. Yes, of course. And the same is happening in France and Spain and Italy. Mm. So things are changing. Talk to me about that, Tom. Well, I started um, a good few years ago, about 10 years ago when I had a a tunnel and I put a a black Hamburg vine into the tunnel and over the past 10 years the the grape has become much sweeter. I don't know if it's the fact that I was was just telling James, I don't know if it's the fact that I'm getting better at pruning it or is it that it's it's getting more um, nutrients from the soil? I'm not quite sure. Like I, I garden, I just garden organically for just as a hobby, really. And I've made wine a good few years. Um, in the last couple of years, it's been really, really good. Um, so last year I did a course down in Wicklow with Wicklow Wines on how to make wine uh, organically. And I bought some other vines that grow outside. These this is a Rondo grape that are really good in the Irish climate as well. Now, I don't have any grapes on them yet, but hopefully in the next, if the weather keeps going the way it is, it's, it's much easier to make wine than it is to cut grass every, every week <laughs> throughout right. the summer. The vines are actually, is, you know, there's age in them now. And what's happening is the roots are actually getting deeper and deeper and deeper. They continue to go down. And the deeper they go, the more nut- better nutrients they're ah. getting. And that's what happens. That's why right. older vines can produce really, really spectacular wines. Okay. Well, look, next week we're going to uh, focus on main course and what we'll go with it drinks-wise and then desserts and dessert wines and, and all of that. And we look forward uh, to it. But just a, a question on, on main courses. Um, I mean, some people, depending on the numbers, you know, they might go for the, the roll turkey, you know. But on ham, right, I feel personally people don't consider the ham as much as they should. Like, what's the secret on ham? Because there's a kind of a tendency, and maybe it's got to do with Limerick's history, where I'll sort of throw an old ham in there and it'll be grand. But, I mean, it's not quite as simple as that. Well, no, you want to get the texture, you want to cook it properly, firstly. You, are you going to, a lot of people don't have steamers at home, so you're going to probably boil it and, and parboil it and then cover it in, you know, a really nice glaze. Like we're really, really good at it in, in Limerick, to be honest. You have loads of apple flavours. You have loads of um, star anise, diff- brown sugar. Um, honey is gorgeous with it. Different types of mustards. Mix a few together. Or, or you can just buy the convenient honey glazed ham. I think um, Ballyhura are doing a, a lovely apple glaze at the moment. It's like a festive ham glaze. 
and just cover it when the when the ham is reaches about like definitely pick up a probe if anybody doesn't have a probe in their house at this stage like they're only about six euro for pick up a probe and make sure that your your the core temperature is, is reaches seventy five but when you're par boiling you only need to bring it to about sixty and then finish it in the oven dry roast it just put it in first without the glaze and then when it dries out put your glaze over it and baste it just make sure you take it out every half an hour or so and rub the glaze over the top you use a pastry brush or you can get basting brushes now that'll just coat it and keep it lovely and crusty on the outside and that just adds so much flavour like some people will just put marmalade on it and even that in itself is just gorgeous we've 18 coming for Christmas dinner this year wow made the mistake of finding out that the hotel that my sister's staying is dog friendly so my brother said fine we're coming down too (laughs) And we were talking about the meal and I'm doing one turkey, my sister will do that. And Tom goes, but we need a second ham because we feel the ham is one of the most important parts of it. Mm. Turkey's a bit dry. A great ham. And the next, or that night after dinner, you know, the ham sandwich. Absolutely. Um, And and by the way, does white or red go better with ham? Oh, um, yeah, white probably by by itself. But I mean, the meal itself, you can drink anything with that meal. Mm. Well, you've got an, you've so got much an acidity yeah. to a ham that doesn't necessarily mix with certain reds or whites. It's a difficult one. Yeah, right. For me, okay. it's a, a glass of porter with the ham sandwich. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Gorgeous. Oh, nice. Yeah, that's nice. nice. Yeah. Let's keep that in mind. Um, all right. Well, listen, thank you, guys. We're two weeks out. A very interesting chat there. And we'll be a week out. All going well this time next week. We'll have both of you back. We'll talk more about the main course. Talk about dessert. We'll talk about what goes with it drink-wise as well. Always great to see the two of you. Thank you very much thank for thank joining us. Much. James Walsh from Fine Wines in Limerick and Limerick Food Consultant and Chef Tom Flavin. And check out that cook and cleaver he was talking about earlier, too. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95.